so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Bregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! That is the match winner! Kefu will never score a more important try. And look at the Wallaby players. That is the dream result they wanted. It's a heartbreak for the All Blacks. Here we are back with another year of Super Rugby and the Running Rugby podcast. Archie, Toby and Leo back refreshed and ready for another year, boys. And we've already sort of kicked off 2022. I don't know about you guys, but I've been getting into the Six Nations, which we've already had or almost two rounds. We record this prior to the England-Italy game coming up on Monday morning, February 14th. Um, but we're, this is a show all about the Super Rugby squads and what we can see coming for us in this new format, new competition, Super Rugby Pacifica. So, boys, we've had a fair few games coming down from the Six Nations. Uh, Scotland showing some dominance over England in that first round before falling to Wales overnight. Ireland stepping up against Wales and putting on a, a hefty score against them before falling to France. Um, while France have, have had two wins now. So the only team left um, undefeated, taking down Italy in that first round, and then an impressive performance against Ireland in Paris overnight. We're going to focus on the Super Rugby at the moment, but there's just one name that I know um, Toby's been spouting about, and we had a lot of contact with last year, but left from the Brumbies, went across to Ireland um, to play for Connacht, and then has now made his second um cap for Ireland in the space of what 12 months really since he's gone Matt Hansen absolute superstar in the waiting and I think that was pretty clear last year and although the Brumbies you know he got a fair bit of time with them during 2021 he'd spent a few seasons there and not really had a, a full breakthrough and other super rugby clubs didn't really want him in the last few years and so he looked north he had that association with Ireland already and knew that he could qualify for them straight away. And Andy Friend from Connacht obviously picked him up. And, you know, he's just taken that opportunity with both hands, had a great season for Connacht so far. And now, look, he's straight into the Ireland setup, starting on the wing there. And what a performance in the first two games of the Six Nations. That's right. Man of the match performance in their first game versus Wales. And uh, if you haven't seen it, have a look at his uh, solo efforts taking the kickoff off his own kick uh, off Joey Carberry's work and um, take, regathering himself to score in the corner for Ireland's only try in the first uh, half against France. But as I said, guys, Super Rugby Pacific kicking off this year, brand new competition. It's already been a sort of bit of a mismatch because uh, border restrictions are still in place between Australia and New Zealand. So the first six rounds are going to be restricted to um, the New Zealand and the Moana Pacifica teams playing within themselves in New Zealand and the Australian and the Fijian drawer playing in Australia. Uh, so a little bit of switching around there. The Super Rounds had to be moved around um, and even more so with two teams uh, having sort of close contacts with COVID with Moana Pacifica players um, ruled out and actually that first game, which should be next Friday, Moana Pacifica Blues, first Blues already being postponed. 
But let's not talk about the fixtures right now. Let's have a look at the squads. And we've all gone in and had a bit of a look at what some of the squads, what changes have happened, what we think is going to happen here today. And Leo, why, why don't you kick us off um, with one of your teams that you've had a bit of a look at? No worries. One of the teams I've dug into close to my heart are the Queensland Reds, last year's Super Rugby AU uh, winners. Some fantastic matches um, played by them, some close victories. Uh, this is a team which, coming into this season, has once again stayed very stable, the sign of um, a very happy squad, uh, a, a young outfit, so not many guys moving out for retirement, not many uh, leaving for you know higher paychecks elsewhere, trying to um, get some cream at the end of the career. So very exciting for them to be coming off that strong domestic season and they get to add someone like Tom Liner, who's coming in with a fair bit of um, you know, fanfare, like this exciting signing, son of uh, Michael Liner, ex-Wallaby, that most people listening to this would be well aware of. Um, that's that's an exciting sign. It adds to a already overstocked backline full of firepower, another young guy who can uh, hang around with some of the vets and and hopefully we get to see some of his skills early on in, in this series. Uh, and, and only losing a, a couple of guys, but important guys. And I think this is where the, I suppose, the crux of their um, their changes are. They've lost Brendan Panger and Mosa, starting hooker, and they've lost uh, Hegarty out of the back line. So they've also lost Sorovi. They've lost Hudson Crichton to the Brumbies. Uh, but I think that the two key ones there are, are BPA. The Reds have... Uh, guys, multiple guys there who people would know the names, Richies uh, Asiata, Alex Murphy and Josh Nasser. Those guys have all had their opportunities, but no one's really emerged. And now one of these guys is going to need to emerge for the, the Reds to maintain the scrum dominance and the forward pack dominance that they developed and, and held last year. And guys who have become now, I guess, the veterans in their back line, guys like Tate McDermott, need to uh, pick up the the gap in in what Hegarty leaves behind because I, I reckon Hegarty was doing a lot of communicating, a lot of um, mentoring the young guys, a lot of directing around the field. Someone's got to pick that up. It can't all be James O'Connor. But at least, again, this is a squad that's been cemented together and, and has more or less their starting lineup uh, from last year intact. So they're in a great position to, to start uh, the season really well. And... Do you know what Brad Thorne's middle name is, just out of interest? Little known fact, Brad Carnegie Thorne. But it sounds very prestigious. I'm sure he wants to see that um, it's like a back-to-back uh, engraved on the trophy, Coach Brad Carnegie Thorne. Um, yeah, look, this, this is going to be a strong team again this year and um, they just need to make sure that the, the couple of key guys they've lost, someone steps into the steps into the fold and, and picks up the slack, particularly at hooker. I think that will be a target um, part of their set piece by other teams early on in this competition. What do you think? Uh, we've seen a lot of talk about Josh uh, Jordan Pattaya playing fullback. Um, do you think he has the goods and do you think he gets a chance to do that this year? Maybe. I, I don't think he's going to be their first pick. Um, Matt Greeley is the guy that's, I guess, named as, as their fullback, the, the guy in the squad that's actually labelled to be that role. I, uh, of all the conversation we heard late last year, and there was a fair bit of it, I didn't really buy it, to be honest. I, I don't think 
I think what, what they're probably trying to do is give him more space, more opportunity to run the ball, more opportunities in broken play. But I don't think his consistency and his communication um, are, are necessarily uh, befitting to that sort of role at the moment. And I think what we what we wanted to see last year was him kept out of the tour and, and someone to work on his um, sort of physical conditioning and his mechanics so that he doesn't just tear his muscles apart as he as he explodes and runs the ball. Um, he's, he's really just got to bed down some some games like uh, you know a solid season in a position. I don't think they should be trying to add change to his um, to his scope. He should be better used probably on the wing still, to be honest. He, again, he's labelled as a centre in the squad. Um, I think they'd probably have other options and I, I, would, I would like to see him preferably probably played out on the wing, but there's a lot of competition there too. You've got Jock Campbell and Dalgunu and Drosesi and, of course, Suli Vunivalu is still there. So um, how all these guys get, a, get an opportunity is, um, is still yet to be seen. Yeah, I think Patea definitely, he hasn't really convinced us that he is out of, you know, the top couple of wingers in the country even. So I think going to be constantly thinking about changing position um, is just going to add more problems to his overall development. I think he needs to focus on one position. I think he could be a great winger if he spent a bit more time there. And there's no doubt he's a great athlete, but it's been his health that's been his trouble so, look, I think we're complicating things by giving him a fullback role. I think there's, you know, other candidates there that are better suited to that, um, particularly as a kind of fill-in playmaker. I think as a roving winger, that's probably his best option. And, um, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy this year, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, I also neglected to mention, like, Matt Greeley's someone they want to see in that fullback position, but Jock Campbell was the man last year between him and Hegarty at times, like they they held that role, and I I think probably Jock Campbell gets an opportunity at fullback before Patea. It will be interesting which one of their sort of young guns, because they have a fair few guys that sort of emerged last year between like really like you say Josh Fluke, Isaac Henry in that backline that sort of took on bigger roles as needed. Um, mm. So who's they covered their injuries there? really well, and and those guys will be yeah yeah really good to see them coming in there what are them like a second significant season with opportunities um yeah, hopefully the injuries mean that well a lack a lack of injuries means that we don't see the constant rotation but at least they've blooded all of those guys mm. all right let's move on toby who have you been looking at then mate i couldn't help myself but you know waratahs as a fan you know <laughs> i want to see them turn it around they branded it what reset 22 2022 which no, it's probably an, a pretty accurate description of what needs to go on there. You've had Darren Coleman come in from the Guiltinis, fresh off that inaugural title for them, um, and a guy that's really had success at Shoot Shield level for a long time um, and has been waiting for his really top opportunity in Super Rugby. So I'm glad to see him get a, a chance to coach this team. And he spent a lot of time in Sydney Club Rugby, obviously, and he's passionate about making New South Wales, you know, really live up to the potential that it has. And I think we're going to see a similar process to what the Reds went through the last few years. And it's starting, obviously, I think a bit slowly, given he's, he's come on board late last year, but there's a bit of turnover in the type five primarily. 
Um, but I think he sees that there's a fair bit of talent that was in that squad from last year that was winless. Um, but he's looking to really develop some of these good young players and and instill some faith in them um, and some confidence because I think that was the biggest thing that was missing last year. And a fair few names sort of returning, aren't there, for the Waratahs? Like you see the likes of Jed Holloway, Ned Hannigan. So a bit of some cooler heads coming back into that forward pack, which we consistently kept telling um, kept telling everyone that that was kind of the reason that you weren't getting as much out of sort of these young guns in, in your back line because you just weren't giving them any go-forward ball or Jake Gordon any clean ball to work with. Yeah, and look, I think that probably shows that these guys that have gone away for a little while still passionate about New South Wales rugby and see probably Darren Coleman as a guy that can turn the ship around. Um, Jed Holloway made some comments when he left about the culture and he's obviously been convinced that that's going to change um, with this with this new coaching setup. So great to see Hooper back. I mean, he was had an amazing season for the Wallabies after playing in Japan. Um, and again, we've got a stacked, pretty stacked back row there. I think the tight five is where we really need to focus in and get some dominance and also just generally around defence because I think... You know, Jake Gordon leading the guys around with either Ben Donaldson, Will Harrison, or even Tane Edmund at fly, fly half. I think there's a fair bit of potential there. Um, it's just nailing down some of those combinations. Izzy Parisi will go to the next level, hopefully. Um, and a big name that's come in, Jamie Roberts from Wales, who, although he's 35, he's still in pretty good condition. And I think he can... Um, he can add a lot of wisdom and, um, you know, just mentor a lot of these young guys in, in the back line. And that's definitely how I see that recruitment effort. It's You've got a lot of guys who are still raw, haven't been in a consistent, solid team, uh, squad group for, for some time, uh, a lot of turnover, a lot of resets, a lot of change and a lot of instability and a lot of feeling of instability when there wasn't actual instability. Um, and even to finish like not a lot of success. So you bring someone who's been successful, who's been in a, a long-term um, winning side in Wales, um, you know, over in the last decade, they've been very, very competitive in the Six Nations. They've had their opportunities and won the thing. Um, he will be able to bring a lot of that perspective to those guys and maybe it'll just help find some alignment, even if we don't see him much on the field. Yeah, I think there's just, with New South Wales, the raw talent is there. It's just shaping that in the right way. And look, I don't think we should expect it to happen too quickly, but they've shown this year, even in the trials, that they've had some pretty solid performances, got a couple of wins against both the Reds this weekend and then before that, the Brumbies. So there's signs are there that perhaps they're building some confidence. And, you know, I don't think we should expect miracles, but Darren Coleman does have a track record of turning teams around pretty quickly. Does it feel like Ben Donaldson is is the number 10 at the moment? Like he's been the starter in these games. And I think Harrison's, yeah, so Harrison's, Harrison's, is Harrison's really, injured. Yeah. But okay. they've, they've come out and said that Ben Donaldson's going to get first crack at that number 10 jersey for them. Mm. Um, he was obviously impressive uh, in the second half of last season, sort of getting a few starts and just, maybe just being slightly bigger, a bit more sort of physicality in terms of a bit more happy to take um, the line on himself. But, yeah, definitely had a few sparks last year. 
And he's only a year older than Harrison, right? He was the he was in the under twenties the year before. So we've got two very young guys. Um, yeah, I think the size probably matters. And and Harrison's had such a a rough start to his career with the Waratahs. It's probably not a bad thing to just get him um, maybe a little bit sidelined and and watching and learning and just refreshing before exposing him to what again could be a, an uphill battle this season. It's it's been difficult for him because I think Will Harrison has had really high expectations from the public and other players. And Ben Donaldson in the background there just working away. And these two guys have played at Randwick with each other for a long time. They're very good friends off the field. And I think you'll even see Tane Edmund push those two as well. And he's, I think, just recently with this trial had a good cameo off the bench. Mm. So we've got three pretty high-quality number 10s there when I think if they're playing with confidence, they can be some of the best, I think, in the competition. They just need time in the saddle, and it's hard when there's three of them. But it has been said as well that maybe you look at playing one of them at fullback, perhaps one at inside centre, mix things up a bit. Like We're not just going to see, I think, them wait in line for each other. I think there's going to be some sort of um, experimentation, I think, throughout the season by Darren Coleman. Yeah, of course. I mean, they've lost Maddox as well, so they don't really have a fullback um, incarnate just to step into that role. It's going to be a little bit of shuffling, I think, whether no one needs to see or Ram or someone does it from the yeah, wing spot or whether you get one of those playmakers in. It's looked like Newsom's been given a fair bit of opportunity there in the preseason at 15. Mm. Um, and we've primarily seen him as a winger or an outside centre for the Waratahs. But again, he's a bigger body pretty solid um, and quite experienced now. Um, so I think there's a few options again. I think this back line will look pretty good, particularly if we get, you know, even if Jamie Roberts is playing with Parisa and the centres, obviously you've got Fichetti as well. So there's some pretty good options if everyone stays healthy. And I think, you know, I think the Waratahs will be a very different outfit this year. They'll be defensively hard. Um, and I think there'll be a real focus on physicality and just doing the basics well. As long as the physicality focus uh, is tempered with don't get red carded and, and suspended for a few and weeks. And we're now. back to Swinton, aren't we? We're back to Swinton. No, that was, no, that's Parisi. Did Parisi tip tackle in his first game and got, got suspended for a, uh, I guess yeah. you could say. And, and that's why we didn't have the Parisi Fichetti combo for so much of the season. And then when we did get it, we're like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And it took them forever to really really ramp it up because mm. just dumb stuff, just stuff you don't need. Like the war, last thing Waratahs need are completely unforced errors, um, handicaps to their to their season. So they just really need to avoid. So I wasn't even thinking about Swinton. That's an obvious one, but no, it's it's the, the intensity that they're driving. If they come out and it's who loose early and something like that happens to someone in a centre or a, or a you know, a key forward position where they're trying to build combinations. It's just such an unnecessary setback for the whole team. Mm. Maybe that is the real reason they got Jamie Roberts in, um, just because they know something's going to happen like that. All right, we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it in Australia because I've been looking at the Rebels. Yes, the Rebels, the team that um, came second last, only. Um, beating the Waratahs last year. They had three total wins in Super Rugby AU, obviously no wins uh, in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. So it's a team that, I mean, 
they have to deal with the change of a new coach. Dave Vessels is gone. His era is over. You've got Kevin Foote coming and taking over here. And, like, you, you run through this team and there's a lot of good players, probably not that many great players. Um, I do like their front row stocks with Kabos Ilof and Cameron Ormackib and Ponme Farmasili. Like, some got some good props in there. They're still persisting with Jordan Ualisi. So, I mean, how long do we have to go with that? The return of Matt Phillip from France is only going to help them in the in the forward pack. Um, they're finally, the, probably the biggest pro that I've seen looking at their squad is, one, they've only named one person as a fly half, and it's Carter Gordon. So Matt Moore will not be playing 10 for them, and they think they've come out and said that um, publicly as well. So it looks like he's focusing on just being playing inside. And it looks like also Reese Hodge should be the only sort of person in their fullback row. So gone are the days where Reese Hodge switches from 10 to 12 to 13 to sometimes playing wing. I hope this is a year where we just see Reese Hodge pull on that 15 jersey and no one asked to pull it off him. That's a relief because, like, this this is two or three years too late for the Rebels, honestly, and for Australian rugby with, in some settings. I'm sure is that with Vessels. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry. That's a, Yeah, That's it's, a, right. it's a relief to hear that they're just going to stick with those guys where basically they can let another young 10 come and develop who will change the almost the the style or the... Um, yeah, the character of this team, I think. Having seen him play against the Crusaders at Leichhardt last um, last year, he's pretty impressive. So I think he'll surprise a few people as well. And obviously it's going to take some time, but yeah, just a real relief as well not to see Tamila being treated as a, as a 10 because I don't think that's, that's not doing his skill set justice either. He needs to focus in on being more of that ball carrying 12 and distributing 12 as well, because mm. I think his game suffered as from, from focusing on being a fly half um, in my opinion. Yeah. So I look, I think they have the startings of a team that can be competitive, whether that means they're going to have success. Um, I think it's, it's probably a bit too early to say that they're likely to be too successful um, in this year, but they are, once again, trying to build up some of these youth players. They still have a few of these players that sort of they gave a few opportunities to last year that are coming back into the 15s game from the 7s game in the uh, in the likes of, like, Lockie Anson, uh, Gerald Skelton, who's switched this year from playing sort of in the loose forwards. He's now going to be in the backs, in the centres and wings. You have the Australian comeback, or well, the World Rugby Comeback Player of the Year, Andrew Kellaway, um, obviously, in there now in form and he's going to probably have to step up as a bit of a leader in that back line as well. Um, so look, there's some exciting things we heard from uh, Leo, the Reds lost Moses Sarovi and he's down at the Reds now uh, at the Rebels now as their backup um, scrum half as well. So I think that's quite a nice, uh, nice sort of one, two now with Joe Powell and Moses Sarovi um, competing for that nine Jersey as well. Let's keep going. Leo. Who was your second team you looked at, Matt? So I dug into the opposite side of the country in the Western Force, uh, led by Tim Sampson. He's in his fifth year coaching them, and, and they've been on a steady path. They've been improving. They they managed to uh, pull ahead of the Waratahs and the Rebels last year, finishing third in Super Rugby AU. Uh, it's an encouraging sign. They they had a lot of 
uh, older vet players, a lot of imports that were there to sort of assist them with that transition back into this level of Super Rugby. And I think that was pretty successful, really. The guys like um, we had the Argentinians in uh, Cabelli and Miotti. Uh, we had Rob Carney at the back, uh, a few others. And, and those guys have now left, though. So the transition where they've helped support the the up-and-coming, the the WA kind of academy guys is is now complete and maybe maybe just as a as a backup to to those guys the force have been on a on a bit of a recruitment drive but they've looked locally and they're actually they've actually gone and managed to get five guys out of the Brumbies they haven't acquired anyone else from another super rugby team they've only acquired Brumbies have acquired some other guys from elsewhere but um guys like Bailey Quenzel, Isaac Fines, Harry Lloyd um They've, they've filled some gaps with these guys and I just wonder if they've um, decided to target a team who who was you know had had good depth uh, guys who were really pushing and pushing for a starting role and are coming from that really solid um, Brumby's culture like the the real do the dirty work fundamentals you know not not flashy stuff just just do, you know do your role within the machine and and success comes. Uh, so that's that's exciting. I think between them and actually seeing Isaac Rodder make the field, they've still got uh, Thrush. They've still got Sileki Tamani. Um, they're gonna have a massive forward pack. Um, this is gonna be again a competitive side and just uh, you know obviously contending with the usual amount of change, usual amount of um, squad rotation. So um, another another exciting person they've added is uh, Manasa Mataeli from the Crusaders. So think. Um, maybe sort of Severu Reese light, but he's a lot bigger than Severu Reese. Mm. He's 100 kilos. Um, he's only 25 years old, though. So he could be um, coming across to make sure that he features and gets a starting role and, and tries to win his way into a, uh, a starting. <coughs> so he's played, No, no, he's played for, sorry, he's played for Fiji. So he's, he's already stuck with them. Oh, for, he is Fiji. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, there yeah. you go. So yeah, he's interesting he's not at the drawer then, I suppose. But uh, regardless, the, the force have got him in. Um, I, just, I just think they're all good signings. Like Harry Lloyd is a guy who, but for the Brumbies' depth in the front row, would have been getting more regular starts. Um, Bailey Quenzel got them out of trouble a few times playing at 10, coming on late in the game, has looked pretty reasonable. I think two years ago, probably had a bit more game time, um, was very competent. And Isaac Fines is electric. So whether he's playing out on the wing like he like he did a little bit previously, or if he's back in a scrum half, I think is where they're targeting him. We've got Ian Pryor there, obviously, still as the veteran, but um, you get Isaac Fines into scrum half. He's got a combination, or at least a familiarity with Bailey Quenzel from the Brumbies. Like that's that's a nice replacement for your uh, Cabelli Miotti combination and and others that we've seen um, the force wielding in the last couple of years. So um, exciting things will be. You know, more more high-paced attack. They've still got all those great young guys, guys like Tim Anstey are going to come on again another year. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which WA development guys and from their academy group come through as well, uh, because I don't think they're I don't think their starting lineup is set. They're a little bit um, they're a little bit sort of uncertain around the midfield there and the, and the outside backs. I think there's still opportunities for people to come through. So it'll be exciting to see those guys get their opportunities and see who emerges. 
I love that they still have people like Jeremy Thrush and Richard Kahui in this squad. Um, again, I guess Sidaleki Tamani, but these guys that have had like full careers and obviously either purely through the love of rugby or potentially it's maybe the club culture that they have over at the force um, continually are keep coming back and putting in for another season, signing up for another year. Um, we saw a bit more limited sort of time from Rich Kahui, but when he was on the field, he was still doing some amazing things, some great touches. And Jeremy Thrush seemed to just, he just never tires. He's always on the field. He always keeps going. Always he always looks tired. Yeah, but he just <laughs> keeps going. He's still it's going. Just, it's, it's amazing to see. And yeah, I really like that those guys are hung around, even if they've lost a few of their yeah, UK um, imports and, and Argentinian imports, as you say. We need to get a meme out there like Richard Kahui doing Richard Kahui things. And he's just like putting little grubbers through and like all, all the tricky stuff that's just like, oh, yeah, he has all these things in his arsenal. And you just, people just see him as like obviously a big, big ball runner, like, you know, definitely out the back end of his career. But he's um, putting cheeky grubbers in like Moanga sometimes as well. Like it's always, always exciting having him on the field. So I'm assuming that the Kyle Godwin Kahui combination is probably what they're going to go with, but they've brought Reese Tepine across from um, the Brumbies and mm. Grayson Makar as one of these um, sort of wider the training players, squad guys. Yeah. So who knows? It's, it's, it's At some point they are going to have to start transitioning the younger guys in um, and, and giving some of these older guys um, sort of a, a bit more time mentoring and a, a few, few fewer minutes. So that that's where I'm looking to see exactly what um, what happens this year. I think it'll be um, exciting for the force. I think they're still going to be very competitive. They should definitely be looking to to secure third and be looking to challenge the, the Brumbies and the Reds when they come play at their house. Did you mention that um, Faladi Kaitu is the captain as well? No, I didn't actually. And that's that's a change from Pryor, who wasn't always starting last year and was was often still sort of the captain in, in some odd way. Um, but yeah, that, that's exciting as well. That's that's a mm. um, a big a big pat on the back, a big acknowledgement of his effort. Obviously, his Wallaby selection um, as a bit of a bolter, and then did did get his cap. So um, yeah, no, that's that's great, and and hopefully a guy who stays around and they can build their certainly their forward group around someone like him. Yeah, look, the four you got to love them. They've got such a good rugby culture there in WA. They're still obviously building this squad up and trying to come up with the right combination of players and, you know, balancing that youth coming through with the senior guys. But I think overall, there's a lot to like here. I think Tim Sampson is a pretty good manage, like player manager and, um, you know, we'll get some good results out of them. They're not going to get pasted by anyone. Um, plenty of heart. And I think someone like Rodder even coming back is massive. Um, to Australian rugby and we saw how strong he was for the Wallabies so I think the force are going to have some games that really are going to grind out but I think hopefully this year they'll they'll show a bit more point scoring ability and and maybe some more x factor there with some of these Brumbies guys that have come in and yeah I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, couldn't agree more Tobes. Um, Do you want to finish off what we'll I guess call the Australian Conference um, but obviously the Fijian and Drua um, that are basing themselves out of Sydney for this year, at least um, with sort of travel restrictions. 
not a lot, not a lot that people would know about in the general public about the Druid. People would have heard of them, obviously, being in the um, MPC, in the NRC, sorry, and having some good results in that, having um, a title to their name then, and obviously now taking a step up. Um, what are you expecting out of this Fijian team? Look, it's yeah, for me, it's definitely a learning process as well. There's a few guys that have um, plied their trade in Europe that have come back. There's guys that are emerging just locally on the scene there. And, you know, Simon Raul-Louis, who featured as, I think, the forwards coach for the the Wallabies, or sort of maybe the scrum coach for the Wallabies under Checker for a while, he's been managing the, the national team. And another guy that's linked to Checker, Mick Byrne, is coaching this outfit. A um, few question marks maybe over Mick Byrne's credentials as a head coach, given he's he spent about 10 years with the All Blacks as their skills coach and then a few years, obviously, with the Wallabies as well doing that. But his background primarily outside of AFL has been in the skills side of rugby. And, you know, obviously that that plays well with, you know, a Fijian team that really have a focus around their skill set. And naturally, as players, I think they're quite flamboyant and have great skills. But you got to wonder whether it's it's going to come down to conditioning with this team and whether they'll be successful. Um, obviously, the first professional Fijian club team that's ever been in any sort of competition. So, you know, there's a bit of pressure on them. Um, a lot of these guys haven't played um, top-tier rugby since the end of 2020. Um, so they've had long periods off where they haven't been playing um, professionally and I think that could be the biggest challenge into this first year. Hopefully they have some decent cohesion because they've been training for the last few months, I think up at Lennox Head. Um, so they've had some time together, but you got to wonder whether their fitness will be good enough um, in a super rugby competition like this. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to say sort of, obviously they sort of brought a lot of that sort of Fijian flair to the NRC when they sort of went um, and came in and they're, was it inaugural season that they won or was it the second season they came in potentially that it was early um, on I can't, yeah, yeah. But first I, or second look, season it is tough this is this is another step up and i think that's where you know it's going to be a challenge for the pacifica team as well like i think both of these guys you know the australian obviously this is a fijian run team so there's probably a bit less support from Australian rugby and it's a bit different with the minor Pacifica team being a, technically a New Zealand franchise. So they probably have a, you know, a bit more vested interest in that. But you know, I think this is great for the game and unfortunately COVID is going to mean that it's going to be hard for them to play a lot of home games. But you know, maybe later in the season that will be um, mm -hmm. able to transpire and you know, just growing the game in the Pacific. We've talked about it for a number of years and this is putting in, you know, it's a proper step forward in the development of, you know, professional Fiji and rugby, which will hopefully then have a great impact for their national side as well. Would you think that since the Fiji and Drua are sort of based in Western Sydney, sort of like, you know, that, that's sort of their, a base is not a home. Um, like these two teams, one one's coming into the competition and need to, find their feet and um, sort of establish a style of play and some cohesion. And you've got like the Waratahs, which basically are resetting and almost need to do the same. They, their guys are familiar with the competition and, and who they're up against and, and how they play, but they're really almost starting again. Like it's almost, it's 
two kind of comparable um, prospects and almost you sort of sort of wish some of these teams would be a little bit more willing to work with each other, certainly in the off-season. Like, didn't see anything much from the Drua. Maybe they weren't really – maybe they haven't had the pre-season that the other teams have had. But, like, to have the Waratahs – yeah, they've only, you're right. They've only had one trial against the yeah. Rebels, I think. So it's been very limited in terms of, you know, coming up against some of these other Australian teams. But why, yeah, like it, that seems like an opportunity maybe missed if, if they had some guys in the air, like in the country and, and getting ready for this season. Like they probably could have spent a lot of time just doing some opposed work or even some combined work with the Waratahs to help each other get sort of regrounded. Like, I know that the teams act like silos because you don't want to give anything away and you, there's a lot of um, kind of mindset and, and um, style of play stuff that you don't want to necessarily show your hand. But I feel like, feel like it's in each other's benefit maybe even just now. It's so early. It's probably not going to give away anything significant and those two teams will probably could probably have looked a bit stronger. I, I tip that they'll both look pretty rough starting this season. Um, obviously, they're going to play each other this Friday, and Toby and I are going to get to that. It'll be interesting to see how rough they look. But when they start playing the bigger teams, the extra hitouts would would be really helpful. Sort of feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I think it's tough, and we've been fighting this in Australian rugby generally for a long time. But I think now we're united as those four, sorry, those five club teams in Australia actually will work with each other. Um, under Rugby Australia to actually try and get players in the right place. Um, but given the Fijian team isn't really linked to Australian rugby whatsoever, it is difficult to really, I guess, be as helpful as possible in some ways. But you're right, this this Super Rugby competition needs to succeed. We want high-quality opposition. And, you know, we don't want this competition to be constantly changing its format, the teams that are in it. We've had enough problems with that over the last decade or so. And I think with 12 teams, it's a good model. We want all, all of them to be competitive. We don't want two or three teams that are getting absolutely steamrolled. And if anything, the drill might have, they might have got a few favours from, you know, going up against the Australian opposition instead of encountering these Kiwi teams early on in the season. Yeah, I think there'll be a good rivalry forming between at least the Waratahs and Drua early on. Um, for this year and as you guys mentioned it will now be the opening game um, of this new competition so be be interesting to see how they come out flying um, it's good to see they've got their captain Namani Nagusa uh, who's at, probably at the, towards the end of his career he's in his mid-30s um, played his trade for many years over with Newcastle Falcons but has opted to come back and take the captain's band for this team uh, in the inaugural season as well Do you want to finish off the Australian side, guys, before we head over the Tasman? Um, Toby, I think you've still got the Brumbies that you looked into as well, mate. Yeah, and look, they've lost a few guys that we are quite familiar with. Um, even guys like Tom Cusack have retired. Will Miller again, even though he's still, I think, under 30, has gone back to the dairy farm and, and he's, he's um, retired for now. Um, and obviously we've talked about the guys um, who have moved to the force, but... Still looking pretty solid there at the Brumbies. My only question mark probably is around their their back line and if they do have a couple of injuries, how they're going to fare because, you know, they've lost guys like, as we mentioned, Mac Hansen, Solomon Carter, 
Kunzel and Pazitar as backup fly halves and obviously Isaac Fines. I think they could be a little bit thin in the depth ranks in the back line if they actually have some key injuries there. As a starting 15, obviously, with Nick White, Lolasio, Ikitao, um, Ire Simone, um, Muirhead, Tom Wright, and Tom Banks. That's a very good back line. But then you've got Jesse Mogg, say, coming back as that reserve fullback. Is he going to be the player he was, you know, five, six years ago? Um, it'll be interesting to see that. But I think there's a little bit of – they'll face a few more challenges this year in um, some of their depth. But I think they're a good enough team with some of the key guys they have that are, that are key Wallabies as well still there. Their front row, as ever, looks very strong. Alalatoa, CO Slipper still hanging around. Falau Fayanga, Lonigan, and Connor McInerney, you know, at, at hooker. That's great. Three Wallaby there, hookers. Yeah, pretty solid. So I think they're still, they're probably coming towards the end of their peak as a team, I think, but they've still got time to, to cash in, I think, with another title or two. And they are building some good youth there with, particularly in the second row with Darcy Swain, Nick Frost, I think will be really one to watch this year, particularly Caden Neville, pretty experienced veteran in, in the lock ranks too. Um, but you look, we've got plenty of players to keep an eye on in this Brumbies team. It's just whether can they still match it with the Reds as the top two teams in the Australian conference, or not, sorry, Australian conference, in the Australian side of the draw to start with. I think they'll get close, but I think the Reds might just be slightly, you know, in their prime more than the Brummies at this point in time. It's not dissimilar. Like the, the Reds, if they didn't have James O'Connor, I suppose someone like Tom Liner is is maybe the next guy coming up. You've got Lawson Crichton there as well. Um, but certainly it'd be a pretty painful loss. Whereas if if Noah was out, he'd say he gets a concussion or saying he's just got to sit out a week um, where they previously had Bailey Quenzel pretty much like slot and just drop him in and play. Like it's not that he's the same player, but he's well and truly seasoned. Um, it is definitely a weak spot for them. I don't think anyone else they've brought in aside from just looking at the the squad list is Rodney Iona, who's a local Tuggeron Vikings. Like he's he's not played at this level previously that I can see. So that's that's interesting, but it, you know it's a, it's a bit of a risk. Obviously they'll they'll want to play Noah as much as possible. He will be playing ten. There's no question about. Um, there's no competition for him really. Um, it would be it would be painful when they've got so much depth everywhere else to not have acquired someone um even even a signing of someone who's a bit older or, you know it's almost makes sense to try and have gotten someone like John O'Lance or um so, someone maybe an international who's who's just coming over and can do a bit of mentoring but also kind of cover it feels like a bit of a gap um yeah again, they've, they've held on to three starting wallabies hookers and they've got multiple fullbacks and wingers more than they need really there's, I think there's a few guys there that are yeah, pretty experienced that are on decent money and they haven't spent a whole lot more on new recruits and perhaps that can get them through this year, but I think they'll probably need to, to really look at the open market a bit in years to come. Um, you know, Chris Fawai Sotia, he's in there, but we know how, how many problems he has with injuries, um, but a pretty capable cover at centre. But again, if you lose Ikitao, if you lose Simone, um, there's question marks exactly on how they're going to deal with those problems. Um, 
bit thin on the ground, I think, just from a depth perspective. And it's just, it's hopefully not. Um, we know that the Brumbies, I think, can just pull guys out of nowhere and, and develop them in their system. And you can see them really come on in, in a year or two. But it's, um, you know, who's going to be that next crop of players to come through once we lose guys like Alalatoa, Slipper, you know, if um, we lose Pete Samu in the back row, is it going to be Jerome Brown who really steps up? I think there's some gaps there um, if, if they do succumb to injuries, but we'll, we'll have to see um, as the season, season plays out. And not forgetting that it's going to be Dan McKellar's final season with the Brumbies. I think he's only having this season before he goes full-time into the Wallabies coaching role as well. So the end of era in that regard as well. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit, um, for a time for these guys to, to push, to try and, uh, make something happen in 2022. Maybe, um, just as, as a final thing, maybe Tom Wright is a guy who. That's why I was, I was like, they just put, they put Tom Wright into 10 and he probably. Yeah, not I guess, like, I guess they would. He'd run the like ball that. way too much himself probably because he's used to. It'd be interesting because he's, yeah, but, but he's, um, obviously got good pedigree as a 10. Yeah, I do. I do feel that Ira Simone perhaps is one season, you know, one mediocre season away from disappearing from our shores for a for a fair amount of time. He's he's kind of had those good seasons and then not really been rewarded at Wallabies level. And I can see him kind of getting a little bit frustrated with his situation. Um, it must it must be really hard as well seeing Lenny Tao come on for one season and then suddenly get into the Wallabies and stick there and he's just like, what do I have to do? What do I have to yeah. do? Yeah, and honestly, at Brumby's level in Super Rugby, Ira Simone has played just as well, if not better, than Lenny yeah. Tao for a number of years and he just seems to not quite get the right opportunities and maybe it's something within his you know the way he trains i don't know what they see in the, on the training paddock as compares to actually on game day but he's had those those issues a bit at the waratahs and he was able to rectify that but he hasn't quite cracked it at wallabies level so for his sake and um for australian rugby's sake i hope he has another strong season and gets rewarded there at, at inside center mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's move over the Tasman to some of these New Zealand teams as well as our other expansion team, Moana Pacifica. And I'll kick us off. Um, we'll start in where I am right now in Auckland with the Blues, the, I guess, reigning Super Rugby Trans Tasman title holders, if that means anything in this new competition. Um, but this is a Blues team that haven't had a huge amount of turnover. They have lost a few key pieces um, losing Patrick Tui Pilotto, obviously in the forwards, has been a tough sort of shout for them. Um, they they form under the captaincy mm. of Dalton Papali'i now for 2022. Um, they've replaced uh, Tui Pilotto and Kaui Tuiotti, who have both moved over to France. Uh, sorry, moved over to Japan um, by signing the stalwart Crusaders lock Luke Romano. There, um, they still have all their. Uh, props that have all tasted sort of international games, even the likes of James Lay, who we mentioned last year as a Samoan international. He's actually been injured and they've just gone and signed his little brother, Jordan Lay, um, to cover his position as a prop as well, which I found quite interesting. You'll recognise the names such as Ricky Riccatelli from the Hurricanes as well, 
Um, that's obviously sensed an opportunity to hopefully get a little bit of a uh, few more starts here with the Blues. But the big name, the thing I think we all want to know is if this is this time for another league convert to come into the New Zealand rugby season and make a name for himself at Inside Centre. That's right. Roger Tuovasashek, his name's been tossed around. He signed over a year ago and we've been waiting for a long time to see what was going to happen. Obviously, a fullback um, for many years, uh, most recently with the uh, New Zealand Warriors, um, but they've converted him to an outside um, or a second five as a number 12 here, and I think they're hoping that he's going to turn into the next Sonny Bill. I reckon there's absolutely opportunity. Like he's, um, he's not the same style of player in every way as Sonny Bill, but just raw talent and and size and speed. And if he literally and figuratively hits hits the ground running and and starts um, you know getting involved under the high ball, like chasing and being involved in every um, in every um, sort of territorial battle and and all the kick returns as well, like the the more they can get this guy involved, uh, the better. And, he, and he's just such a, like, league, league's the sort of game, like, he'll be hardened to those hits. He won't be afraid of being more direct. And that'll be interesting if, uh, if he can pick a, a weak link in the opposition back line and really just challenge them one-on-one, just, just try and go over the top. Um, he'll definitely definitely have the, the form to be doing that on the regular. So someone that they'll definitely need to keep a close eye on and, You'd be very worried as as opposition uh, in New Zealand if he starts building some momentum. You feel like he'll just sort of get away like a runaway train and just week in week out he'll be he'll be scoring tries everywhere. Very interesting if you're going to be pairing him with um, Rico, probably with Rico. Like that's it's a pretty risk or you know risky mm. play, I think, from the Blues. Um, I'm like dual wielding grenade launches. It's you very could be it's absolutely very deadly, or you could be hopeless. Like. High risk, high reward. I think in defence, maybe that could be an issue for them, but I think in attack, maybe that'll work perfectly. Um, again, I think defence might be one of his stronger, time, like league yeah, in defence. Like you've got to read a lot of lines. You've, you've you've got to make good contact. You don't tend to fall off. That, that's... I just think as a combination, it could be difficult. And he's played a lot of fullback in his career, which. Hmm. That probably gives him a fair bit of defensive awareness, but he's probably used to a bit more space. Um, so I don't know. I, I was I was surprised that he's going to be looked at as a twelve, but we've seen with these guys that have come across from league, you know, often even if they're loose forwards or second rows in league, they're playing number twelve. So interesting that he's starting there. Um, maybe they're just you know perfectly happy with Zion Sullivan as as the fullback choice. Um, but Blues, you know, like they're a team that sometimes you think one way and they just completely surprise you. So it's definitely a wait and see for me before I make any real judgment. Mm. Zahn Sullivan was sensational last year. He was oh, so he's, good. Yeah. He's so I'm not so surprised if... at all that they've, they've kept him there. And it may not work out that that's it forever, but he was just such an excitement machine out of, out of nowhere last year. He was such an important player for them. He really was involved in all those um, sort of dominant efforts that, that got them through to the, the title last year. Absolutely. A bit of a breakout year for him. And 
Um, another player that's looking to come back in this team is the likes of Caleb Clark, who fell off a little bit last year after an impressive sort of 2020 year where he really um, took hold of sort of fans' eyes in Super Rugby and then for the All Blacks became just an unstoppable machine. Um, definitely had a bit of a sophomore slump there last year. Didn't get the taste of many of his uh, national colours. He was holding out to try and go to the Olympics and then ended up getting injured and not making it to the uh, to go to the Olympics in the um, Rugby 7. So unfortunate for him in that stage, but he'll be looking to come back in um, as well as Bowden Barrett, who returns for the Blues as well. Leah, who have you been looking at um, in New Zealand, Matt? So I've, uh, I've grabbed myself a couple of teams from the bottom of last year's Aotearoa competition, um, both with very different characters, but uh, I'll start off with the Highlanders who um, have been a team definitely on the, the weaker side of the New Zealand comp, uh, conference or competition for some time. They're, they're just not quite as um, dominant as... The, like they just don't have the dominance around the entire team as as like a Crusaders or or a Blues new new Blues have, um, and to be honest, sort of surprising. They haven't really added anything high profile um, in this off season. So they're bringing Marty Banks in or back, I think I should say, thirty um, two year old. Um, he will he will be there at ten. Um, like it's just like you know that's not really uh look at the look at the players we just talked about coming into the blues it's nothing in the tier of the the Bowden Barretts and Javasa Sheks and and whatnot um they've picked up Gareth Edmonds and then basically they've added players from the NPC so that that feels like maybe they haven't done enough but it's also probably quite characteristic of the coach Tony Brown so he's the former Highlanders coach who went to Japan, was involved with the Sunwolves, involved with Japan as the national side, and, and has come back in sort of in his second year of his second stint uh, for the Highlanders, and is a, a bit of a I guess the cult hero is not the right way of putting it, but he's certainly a, a local uh, local legend. Maybe he he does a lot with what he's got, and he's definitely someone who develops and. Um, like finds talent where others haven't found it and, and um, develops guys who are a bit sort of no name, a bit, a bit of your sort of the, mm. almost the tugboats of the team or guys that do a lot of work. Um, you need those guys in your team. They're not there often winning your games, but they're, they're just making sure all the, all the fundamental stuff's done well and done right. Um, so yeah, not not saying to fear, but it feels like they're going to be a little bit under strength, particularly with the loss of Ash Dixon, who's a, a vet for them. Uh, they've lost Himeno from their back row, and uh, he's gone back to Japan. And Liam Squire has retired, um, another really dominant back row of big physical presence for them in past seasons. And then uh, other guys like Josh Yuani, they've, they've, they've shed him, um, which... Is is disappointing. Joshua, I always thought had had more potential, and just we never quite got a season worth of that out of him. Um, so that's that's sad to see him go. So he's off to the Chiefs now. So we'll see what he what he produces there. But then veterans like Michael Collins, who came in last year at times when they were a bit thin on the ground, and actually looked amazing for for an older guy. Like had some brilliant um, some matches last year. Uh, and Milner Scudder hasn't hung around either. So that. 
sort of those losses are definitely um i think they outweigh the gains but uh, def- the focus this year for tony brown is going to have to be um bringing those guys from the mpc group through and and trying to nurture more out of the guys who he's only had for a year uh starting with last year uh guys like um you know they they've got connor connor garden bash up on the wing like this potential superstar like he was he was very visible for them last year um does he become more involved somehow off that wing or is he just the the weapon they have out wide um you'd like to see more consistency from tomkinson and umunga jensen and um scott gregory was sort of finding his way there's a couple of massive hits on scott gregory courtesy of i think taniella or um or um paisami i think laid him out a few times but um like he started coming coming sort of strength to strength in the centers there um we just need to continue that trend they need to lift themselves out of the bottom there isn't he sorry no yeah naraki's still there Yeah. yeah good good yeah so they've got all those guys. Like they've lost some key guys, maybe some experienced guys. Um, they need the the players who've been on a on an upward trajectory. They just need to that to continue. If it, if it stagnates and and they're still sort of cellar dwelling fourth, fifth in this competition early, it just sort of feels like they'll never build any momentum, and it's going to be hard to uh, even develop the guys in what will be a lot of losing situations, a lot of. All right, well now we just need to fall back and defend, 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 and not not much expansive, open, flowing rugby. So uh, I hope I hope they're competitive early as as other teams have gone through a bit bit of change, and there's always the wild card of COVID and having to play out away from home. Like relatively speaking, these guys are basically in home territory, so uh, maybe a little bit more comfortable for them, um, and that way they can maybe knock off an unsuspecting Chiefs or an unsuspecting Blues if they have a a really great game. Um, but yeah, they, they always, they always feel like they should be better, but they're definitely playing with a lot more no names than anyone else. As you say, it's, they do get the benefit that they will actually be the only team in the first six rounds um, in New Zealand to have any home games because all the night games have been moved to Forsyth bar. Um, but like you say, they're, they're so often are a team of no names, but then they catch teams unaware. So no matter what, you never quite write them off. Um, especially when they get that like South Island rivalry, even with the Crusaders, they can surprise people with. But I agree, lose they've lost a lot of um, names, and it is very Highlanders of old to not bring in sort of any big names. That's very Tony Brown s, and just develop what he's got down there as well. It's just like there's such a difference in tier of quality amongst the different New Zealand teams. It's it's a strategy which. I think in a lot of other competitions, particularly in larger competitions where you face more people, more, more teams on your level, it's something that can work. But I just worry that it's it's just always leaving the Highlanders that that tier below, um, and it's you know it's it's an expensive exercise to try and draw in a whole lot of big names and and step change that. Uh, but look, Tony Brown's a great coach, and he always gets a lot out of who he's got. Um, Circus, you know, think some will think Japan. So he's absolutely the guy to do it. And they will continue to be sort of those upset merchants, dark horse, always competitive. I uh, just hope they can actually finish some games and, and you know, really upset these teams and earn their rightful place at least a third. I'd like to see them, you know, keep the Chiefs stumbling or, or upset the Blues. I, the Crusaders are a big ask, obviously. 
Speaking of the Crusaders, Toby, I think you had a look at them. Is, is there much we need to say about this team? Any sort of big names that they've added or lost? Yeah, not really. I think, look, they tend to shed players that are kind of coming towards the end of their careers or just haven't been performing at the level that the Crusaders really hold dear. So I think, you know, Alatoa, Michael Alatoa has gone. Luke Romano, obviously, pretty old. He's, he's stepped away. Macaleo's gone down to the Highland. He, he was decent. But apart from that, I mean, Fetu Douglas, he was a serviceable back rower, but he's gone. Um, Rennie Ranger wasn't quite himself when he came back from um, his stint overseas, and he's obviously a bit older as well. So I think they've really just held on to the guys they, they need. And, um, again, they're looking very strong on paper. Um, what about their um, South, South American import? Yeah, that's the probably biggest story, I guess, having Pablo Matera come in. That's um, pretty huge. And, you know, he had a bit of controversy off the field over last year or the year before, but he'll be really fired up to make an impression back in Super Rugby with the Crusaders. And, yeah, look, I mean, not that they need him, but I'm, I'm sure that they'll, they'll make full use of him there at number six. And, I can feel another title coming on if I'm if I'm honest. Looking at this team, I mean, I don't see many weak points at all. Very very solid locking contingent, good back rowers there, and Matera should feature pretty heavily. And again, a superstar backline. Um, so yeah, I think the Crusaders are are probably going to continue to build on the successes they've had um, under Razor Robertson, and I think he'll continue to push his cases. Um, the future All Blacks coach. Well, let's just keep on moving then. Um, obviously, a couple more teams to get through. I had a look at this Chiefs team. Um, that Look, I think in the past few years, we haven't seen much coming out of these Waikato boys. Um, they've sort of left a little bit to be desired. I think a lot of it has been due to sort of lots of injuries and losing a few sort of bigger names. The biggest sort of plus I can see coming back into the season is the likes of Brody Retallick coming back into that forward pack. We've seen sort of for a couple of years now that they've sort of struggled with they're playing sort of back rowers in second row and some sort of amalgamation. You've had the emergence of someone like Tupo Vai. They had Josh Lord um, sort of making his name heard and getting onto the all-black sort of touring squad at the end of last year. And then you have Brody Retallick as sort of the, the veteran, arguably um, the best second row in the world um, at one point in his, in his career and could easily reclaim that title. Um, you put those together with the likes of then their normal sort of back row that just has um, obviously Sam Kane's there, Luke Jacobson, who has had sort of great seasons in the past couple of years with some of the Boshiers and Mitchell Brown. Um, you have a really dynamic sort of team. We've said that they sort of struggled finding a 10. They brought in Bryn Gatlin last year, didn't really settle. They tried to play Damian McKenzie there. We weren't really sure about it. They've now coming in with a new experiment with Josh Iwani coming up from the Highlanders, as Leah mentioned. Um, and it will really be whether he can take hold of this team and start, um, start steering them around because they do have some big names um, they still have like Quintapaya and Anton Leonard Brown in the centres there. Um, they do have sort of Jonah Lowe and Nanai Satura on the wings. Um, Chase Tia is probably going to get a bit more of a crack at 15. 
uh, where we saw a few sort of sparks, but he was always off the bench last year. So I do see a lot of positivity coming out of this sort of Chiefs team. And I think it's it's purely going to be um, if they can keep some of their sort of front row, um, which in recent years has constantly been injured and they've constantly been trying to bring in new players. But if you have people like Aiden Ross and Atu Molly um, actually fit and healthy for this team to create that sort of stable base, I think you'll see a Chiefs team that um, are likely going to make some waves here. And um, whether that's uh, whether that's pushing the Crusaders a little bit from time to time, whether that's upsetting the Blues um, in the Battle of Bombay Hills out here of Auckland, um, it remains to be seen. But I, I don't think removing Damian McKenzie is going to have as big an impact as what people might think on this Chiefs team. It'd certainly be strange, though, watching them without him because he's just such a, a notable chief over the last, you know, nearly, what is it? It's coming up five, six years now, maybe longer. He's um, been pretty notable there in that back line and, and almost running the show and, and, you know, filling in at 10 when he needs to, um, even though we obviously know that he's, he's a better 15. But it's, um yeah, I think Quinta Pye is probably the key one to watch here and he's, really, really highly regarded by the All Blacks. Anton Leonard-Brown, you know, those two should make up the centres. And it's going to be, uh, I think, quite a, an emotional start to the year for this team, given they lost Sean Wainui late last year in that terrible car accident. So I think hopefully that's brought this team together and, and they're not carrying too many wounds that, that are going to distract them on the field. But there's, um, you know, they, they talk about Chiefs Mana and, and having that culture there at this club. And I think we'll probably see, um, you know, a really united team and a team with purpose that are playing for Sean and his family and, and probably going to have some good results, I think, early in the season. Leo, I think you were going to talk about the Hurricanes as our final New Zealand teams before I, I cover our other expansion team. Yeah, the uh, the Hurricanes, fifth New Zealand team, fifth last year in Super Rugby, Ataroa, uh, a team that I think in the last few years has always looked very good on paper and it's just been sputtering and failing to really capitalize on the squad they had unfortunately um disappointing very disappointing for them last year to be to be fifth um and i guess similarly to the, what you're saying about the chiefs i think there's some parallels there like there's been some injuries there's been some turnover um maybe they haven't always um had the the coin land for them so this, but it now kind of feels like they've almost slipped past the point where they really had uh, a, a dominant roster that were in a, you know, a, a championship winning um, opportunity. So they've lost again, much like the Highlanders, they've lost a bunch of experienced players, guys who played roles for them last year and were um, contributors and, and, you know, maybe outplayed. Um, the expectations of those themselves, but we're still lots of individual performances. Um, and they've only really added, they've brought Owen Franks back in from the UK. Uh, Owen Franks is not, not this, this is old Owen Franks. Don't, don't pretend like he's uh, the player he used to be. Um, he's my age. So he's 35 this year and he's, he's going to be a vet. He's going to be helpful, but um you know, that they should probably be looking to be starting 
um, some of the younger guys, I, I guess he's probably coming in as a bit of a mentor. This is probably almost a coaching transition stint, um, stint for him. Um, and the other key one coming back is TJ Perinara. But I, I actually think last year when we saw TJ Perinara come back into the All Blacks group, I don't think he actually looked as good as the sharp TJ Perinara of old. So, so this doesn't feel like an enormous boost. It, I think it, it betters who they, who they had last year. Um, but I don't think it really, I don't think it's necessarily, um, you know, an A-lister coming back in to, that'll change the, the likelihood of victory and, and success for this team all that much. He's not going to push the scale that hard. So um, you'll have someone like TJ, you'll have TJ paired with, I would say, Jackson Garden Bashup um, in, in, the, in the inside, in the, in the halves. Which isn't that inspiring because again, Jackson Garden Bashup has been kind of sputtering and and not all that exciting. Ruben Love had opportunities there last year as well. Um, is he going to take the reins? I don't know. We, we we saw him in person. He didn't play that well, and we we've seen him on other matches where he did look like he was um, a player of the future. So that that's a bit discouraging. That the the starting halves are probably not going to be that great. Um, then you've got the losses of Auburn Ledger, Vince Arso, Lamapi, like guys that were contributing regularly um, for this side. You've, you're left with Proctor, Peter Among and Jensen. Still got Terry Walden, um, or sorry, Terry Walden coming in from Taranaki, um, and Balen Sullivan from the Chiefs. So a bit of recruitment there, a bit of change. Um, out wide, they'll be very similar to what Rousey and Sevilla and Houston and the usual. And, of course, Geordie at the back. And I think that's probably the key player that needs to um, deliver on on promise. Like, Geordie had some matches last year where he was everywhere and he was amazing. And he had other matches where he tried to be everywhere and was not amazing. And overall, I think he, was, he had a very successful year. But he needs to go from being sort of that exceptional individual who occasionally makes the the game breaking play. He he needs to be the leader. He needs to be um someone that the the back line um someone that can trigger the back line more consistently. I don't think he's there yet, but that's that's really what they're going to be looking to emerge to to get their backs sorted out, I I believe. Yeah, really I think that I think with the Canes, a bit of an unknown coming into this season, they've had a lot of changing of the guard. I think Lau Marpi is a big loss for them, but Jordy can almost win a, a match by himself. So I can, if they can set a solid platform um, and maybe find someone that's serviceable at 10, maybe they'll be okay. But again, I think they'll be fighting it out with the Highlanders for that bottom spot in the in. Well, not bottom spot, bottom spot of the Kiwi teams. Keep going back to the conferences, but they're no longer. Um, Canes on their day can beat anyone, but I think wholly inconsistent. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, they struggle throughout this season. Yeah, I, I think their day was at least yesterday, if not maybe last week. Like they, weeks, they're yeah. just not looking like a complete squad. And the pressure will be on their coach, Jason Holmes, in his third year there. And this is possibly, we think, the weakest this squad looks on paper now. Even though there are guys coming through, they're they're not yet proven. You you wouldn't say that they've um, trans 
um, transition from being um, sort of support like depth players into starters with um, real real exceptional uh, form. So they need they need these guys to step up. They they've got the potential out wide to be very dangerous. I just think that the classic for them the last few years has been being unable to unlock that, getting very caught up in the middle teams and understanding the weakness was in the halves, in the in the inside uh, backs and just stifling all their play. And it was rare that they got it out cleanly and, and really took the advantage and, and scored some points. And they used to be such a high-scoring team. Like They used to just be, obviously, the days of Bowden Barrett there with TJ, like just, just points, points, points. You get these Crusaders, Hurricanes finals that were up in the 30s for both teams. So... Um, go on to those days. They're, they're going to be a, a dogged team. They're going to be contesting in the ruck. They've got good back rowers. They need to really pinch the ball and counter, pinch the ball and counter, get it out wide um, and, and then just defend well. And certainly I was with the Blues and the and the Crusaders and the, the artillery coming in from at least those sides. Like it's going to be a, a, a steep run this year to be competitive against those teams. And they don't travel that well either. So we'll see how they go against the Aussie and uh, other Introduction sides. Yeah, I dare say you'll see a couple of weeks before there's probably calls for maybe TJ even to move to 10 because they don't feel like they have enough direction with Jamie Booth or someone stepping in at nine. We've seen TJ do it sort of at the end of games quite a lot of the time. Um, they'll bring on the sub halfback and he'll go to 10 for a, for a little bit because he does have some skills there. But, I, yeah, I agree. I think the direction is might kind of be their, their biggest issue. Um, at this stage. The final team that we're going to look at is Moana Pacifica and obviously the other expansion team along with the Fijian Drua. Um, so made up of players from all the Pacific Islands. So there's Fijians, Samoans, Tongans in this team and all eligible uh, for those uh, international teams while not being eligible for uh, New Zealand and the All Blacks. So I do really like just how they've gone about getting this team together. They've put a big stress New Zealand rugby has on this team being competitive from the very start. Um, so they have tried to bring in some names to, to help guide this team. Um, probably none more so than their newly named captain, um, which is Sakopi Kepu. Um, obviously a, a man with over 140 super rugby caps um, and over 100 international caps with the Wallabies as well. Um, so He's going to be leading from the front there. They've managed to pinch a couple of props from the Crusaders and Chiefs um, as well. This is a team that you're going to see a lot of provincial sort of players coming through. And if you're not following uh, the NPC in New Zealand, you're probably not going to know a few of these names. You might have seen them coming off the bench for Super Rugby teams off and on. Um, a name you probably may know if you watch much of Samoa is Jack Lamb, who's... Uh, come back over from Europe to, to play for uh, this in all room and uh, Pacifica team. Um, so he's, he's coming there. You're seeing names such as like Henry Stowers, who's um, made a name for himself at the Brumbies and force over previous years. Eric Inari, who's had a few good spots off the bench for the Crusaders, the little scrum half, but obviously was always behind uh, Christie and also uh, Bryn Hall. He gets a bit more of an opportunity here. And we've got to love it, the Christian Leliafana coming back into Super Rugby after a couple of years away um, in Japan, uh, wanting to give this team a bit more of a go. 
he pairs up with former sort of Brumbies teammate Solomona Kata as well, who's come over there, joining with Henry Tafu, who's come across from the force and obviously um, Samoan international there and was starring for them in their few games that they managed to put together in 2022. I'm sorry, in 2021. I mean, these guys are now coming under the coaching um, stocks of Aaron Major, who gets first crack at this, obviously got displaced out of the Highlanders set up with Tony Brown coming back in. Um, I'm glad that he's getting another opportunity because I think he was um, doing some good things uh, down there. I think he's obviously got some uh, interesting sort of tactics and I think probably his sort of attacking sort of mindset and willing to play with or without the ball um, in that offensive manner is probably going to work well with the the players that he has around here. Um, they haven't had the most success. Uh, got had saw about 60 points put on them by the Chiefs in one of their preseason games. But I think you have to remember a lot of these guys are only been coming together over the last couple of weeks. Um, so it will take a, a couple of weeks to start to develop a little bit of that um, chemistry uh, for them to, to see what their best sort of starting 15 or starting or 23 is to put on the park on a weekend. Definitely a um, trial by fire, like these these trial games and the start of this competition uh, formally, like all these players, brand new side, don't even play for the same country, unlike the Fijian Drew, probably a lot of those guys have at least played alongside each other in, in sevens or maybe some internationals. Like the, the toughest thing is is understanding the capabilities of all the, the teammates around you, like, is this a guy who can put on a bit of speed or reads the defense well? And I, you know, I don't need to be quite as tightly linked to him and I can, you know, move out and, and, and look, look to other players to support me in defense and fill these holes. And just, just, you know, when you, when you see players like, or squads like the Crusaders, it seems like they've a hive mind and they're all almost communicating um, really sort of subconsciously to each other and, and closing gaps and holding the line because they just play together so much and they just understand each other's game so well. These guys are the complete opposite. And that's going to be so hard against the New Zealand sides who just, you know, identify weaknesses and, and will, um, you know, th- know which channels to threaten and, and which players to, to tease with you know, multiple runners coming their way. It's, it could be very ugly early on, um, but it's necessary. It's part of the process of introducing a new team um, it's going to be really exciting. I hope I hope they get lots of attacking opportunities, even if they're not the best defensive side. Um, I hope they don't go into their shell and uh, hopefully they're not too exhausted from defending a lot um, and they do get an opportunity to throw the ball around because they do have some pretty good attacking weapons and I'm sure Aaron Major will be giving them uh, lots of lots of new ideas and, and lots of plays to, to run at these Crusaders and Blues and New Zealand sides that he would be very aware of their style and maybe their weaknesses, even if they're still pretty strong across the park. Let's hope that COVID doesn't really start to destroy the New Zealand section of this competition because I've already seen one game go. Um, you know, Omicron's only really just starting to ramp up in New Zealand and I think the management of that's going to be a real challenge for them. So fingers crossed we don't see too much disruption in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. This competition's already facing its its fair share of difficulties getting started and getting moving. So yeah, let's let's hope for some 
good spectacle rugby to be enjoyed over these next few weeks with yeah limited complications. All right, guys, it's been a long one, gone through 12 teams here. So well done for keeping on listening if you've made it this far. Hopefully you feel like you know a little bit more about what to expect. Um, we'll hopefully get ourselves together and do a little bit of a um, preview of this first round, maybe just a short one a little bit later in the week um, and see what we think is going to come out of this round one. But lots to look forward to in 2022. We'll be coming back. Uh, with our weekly shows from now on, um, checking in with all the games in Super Rugby Pacific, as well as having a look at what's happening in the Six Nations and taking a look further afield, as we often do, um, into the competitions like MLR and Japanese uh, Top League, which is all kicking off at the moment. Everything's back onto full throttle ahead, so plenty of rugby to um, digest through every week now. Final words, boys? Go the Tars. Mate, so pumped to be at the back of the rugby. Um, Combank Stadium, aka Bankwest or formerly Bankwest Stadium. Really good stadium for rugby. Only game there the Waratahs are playing this season against a hopefully pretty exciting Drua team. Um, I'm expecting chaos and I think it'll be a great game. So pumped for that one. Yeah, I'm the same opportunity to go to some live rugby not being uh, locked down in our little regions this year. I've already penciled in a trip to Canberra and obviously the the, the game this Friday. So that's very exciting. Uh, tune back in. Let's let's uh, hope to see some of these resets with the Australian sides and, and some of the, the quality out of the better sides all come together and make some really competitive games. That's right. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. And make sure you are liking and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's all from us for this first week, guys. Remember, keep on running. Run. <laughs>